Then Sean held up his hands, creating sort of a picture frame between he and John, isolating their faces, almost making physical contact. And then he said, this moment is yours and mine. How can I serve you? Welcome to the Miles and the Markers podcast. I'm your host, Gene Girdley, and the author of the book of the same name. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather, and a business owner. My journey has taken me from the gas station to the pulpit, from the classroom to the dealership, from the corporate world to life on the road as a sales and service trainer. This podcast is about my successes and failures. It's about having abundance and very little. It's the story of faith, perseverance, love, hope, and inspiration. Thanks for joining me on the journey. In our last episode, I set the stage for the book with a few baseball stories, including the one about how Hall of Fame pitcher Don Sutton taught me how to throw a curveball. I also began with mile and marker number one. Now, for those who are joining for the first time, the miles are the chapters and the markers are the key learnings from that chapter and the experiences from my life. Now, last week, the focus was be there. And I read from the book that my boss, Dave, showed me what it meant to be there for customers long before the practice was memorialized in the book co-authored by John Christensen called Fish. And before we jump into mile and marker number two, I want to expound on the idea of being there. It's about focus and undivided attention. When John Christensen talks about his experience the first time he visited with the fishmongers at the Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle, Washington, he asked the redhead named Sean, what's going on? Sean turned and asked him, did you have lunch today? Yes, John replied. Well, did the waiter or waitress connect with you? Well, John said, they were probably nice, Sean continued. They gave you your meal, handed you the check, and said, thanks for coming in and have a nice day. And John said, yep, that's pretty much about it. Then Sean held up his hands, creating sort of a picture frame between he and John, isolating their faces, almost making physical contact. And then he said, this moment is yours and mine. How can I serve you? That's being there. That's being there. Whether you're a leader, a manager, or just sitting across the table from a friend, how focused are you on them and their needs? Or are you more interested in what's happening on your smartphone? Ouch! <laughs> Guilty as charged. Sometimes. Well, let's move on to mile and marker number two, live with integrity. Now, the setup for this comes from the end of mile and marker one, where I told the story that money began disappearing from the cash drawer at Dave Swap Chevron, and there were only two people who could have been responsible, me and another part-time teenager 
who I called Gary in the book. We were together when Dave questioned me and my coworker Gary. Both of us acted shocked at the thought that either one might be guilty of petty theft, but it wasn't me, and Gary sounded convincing it wasn't him either. Now, the feeling of being accused is one that causes all kinds of emotions. There's fear and anger and the hope that the whole thing will just go away as soon as possible. Now, this is where personal integrity and abiding faith comes in. Now, some people believe that power comes from within. Some people believe it comes from the universe. I trust God and in Scripture, which tells me not to steal or cheat or swindle anyone. Now, does this sound a bit odd coming from a car guy? And the reason that I ask that is because if you've ever bought a car at a dealership, you may have had a negative experience. You may have felt like you were being lied to. I mean, after all, the car business is where the idea came from of throwing your trade-in keys up on the roof so you couldn't go anywhere while they tried to negotiate. It's also where the concept of, quote, stealing the trade came from, which meant they paid you way too little than what your car was worth. Or someone coming into the sales office and high-fiving the manager because they scored a 10-pounder, which meant they made $10,000 gross profit, probably on a little old lady who didn't know any better. Now, trust me, I am not against making money. I am not against gross profit. I think we should make money because we have a business to run. We have people to pay. We have to take care of those customers' needs after they buy a car. So I'm not against profit, but I am against swindling people. Now, after several days, Dave asked me to work extra hours for a few weeks while he was away helping out his dad. When he returned, he showed me a videotape of Gary taking the money out of the cash drawer. Well, I'm not sure whether it was me or Dave who was happier that it wasn't me who had been taking $20 bills from the cash register. It was a relief to me, but a horrible outcome for Gary. He's a nice kid. He found himself in a difficult situation personally. He also had less than stellar influences in his life at the time without having a dad at home. Now, I want to pause here for just a minute. And I want to talk about the fact that our integrity shouldn't be conditional. You know, your upbringing, your class status, your race, your gender, and any other number of things can create challenging circumstances in your life, but they don't mean you have to choose a life lacking integrity or success. Wilma Rudolph was born in 1940, the 20th of 22 siblings. She contracted polio at age five, lost the use of one of her legs. Because of her race, the only place she could get treatment was at the historically black Meharry Medical College, which is now Nashville General at Meharry, 50 miles from her home. She and her mom rode the bus to get treatments every week for two years, and family members would take turns massaging her leg four times a day. She fully recovered by the age of 12. Though facing poverty, discrimination, and illness, Wilma Rudolph 
became a world record-holding Olympic champion, winning three gold medals in the 100 and 200-meter individual events and the 4x100-meter relay in the 1960 Games in Rome. She later graduated from Tennessee State University and became an educator and a coach. So before you look at the story of Gary and think about the fact that, well, he had a bad life growing up, didn't have a dad at home, I guess there's a good reason for him to steal money. That isn't an excuse. And to his credit, Dave didn't turn him into the police. He simply asked Gary to return the money he'd taken after he was let go. He was more than happy to oblige, and he certainly learned a lesson in grace. Dave taught me valuable lessons, including a positive work ethic, honesty and integrity in business, and how to sell, all while treating customers and employees with dignity and respect. He showed me how to switch focus and what to prioritize. While there were promised times to keep with respect to repairs, nothing was more important than being there for the customer who was right in front of you, which leads to another marker. Your level of integrity shouldn't change when circumstances change. Stand for what is right, regardless of outside pressures or influences. Let me share a few proverbs written 4,000 years ago. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. And then this one from about 2,000 years ago. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Those words were spoken by Jesus Christ. And here are a few quotes from more contemporary figures. As I have said, the first thing is to be honest with yourself. You can never have an impact on society if you have not changed yourself. Great peacemakers are all people of integrity, of honesty, but humility. Nelson Mandela. Moral authority comes from following universal and timeless principles like honesty, integrity, Treating people with respect. Stephen Covey. And W. Clement Stone said, Have the courage to say no. Have the courage to face the truth. Do the right thing because it is right. These are the magic keys to living your life with integrity. You know, years ago, I worked in radio and I had the opportunity to do some sports reporting. And I thought I might make the connection between my radio work and my background in automotive. So I responded to an ad seeking an MC for a local car show. Sure, why not? Went to the audition. They liked me. And they said, hey, go visit one of our other shows so you see what it's like. And I did. The MC on stage was surrounded by beautiful women, young, attractive girls in barely their bikinis. You know, Hot Rod Magazine cover models? That wasn't and still isn't for me. I'm not condemning what other people do. It's just not the image I want to be associated with. 
It wasn't a question of their integrity. It was a question of mine. And it still is today. The women I associate with are professionals and brilliant and worthy of respect because of who they are and not how they look or how they dress. I don't need to advertise low-cut attire to attract people to my brand. If that's what it takes to attract you, then let's shake hands and go our separate ways. I said no back then. I turned down $500 for one day's work in 1987, and I'm saying no to that again today. I'll leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I'm Gene Girdley. Thanks for listening, and may God richly bless you. Thank you.